This is JDSA's Law Talk. This is the program that gives you the straight facts on our laws and how they affect your everyday personal and professional life. Pregnancy accommodations. You may have recently heard about this in the news, but what does it mean for both the employer and the employee? As an employee, do you have the right to have your pregnancy accommodated at work? Depending on your situation, your employer may or may not have to accommodate you. In this episode of JDSA's Law Talk, attorney Stephanie Bale joins the show to discuss what you need to know about pregnancy discrimination and accommodations in the workplace. I'm Clint Strand, and this is JDSA's Law Talk. You're listening to JDSA's Law Talk. Brought to you by JDSA Law, one of the largest full-service law firms in North Central Washington. Hear more programs and read in-depth articles on the law at JDSALaw.com. Stephanie, always good to talk to you. Hi. So let's talk about pregnancy discrimination. Let's begin at the beginning here. There's a general definition and always there's a legal definition. So what are the basics? What exactly is pregnancy discrimination? The Pregnancy Discrimination Act forbids discrimination based on pregnancy when it comes to employment. That would include hiring, firing, pay, job assignments, promotions, training, benefits, insurance, and any other term or condition of employment. Okay, so when pregnancy is referred to in the legal sense, again, I'm not a lawyer, but in my reading, as a disability Is this accurate? Is pregnancy considered a disability? I know if I said that to my wife, I'd be in big trouble. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I, as a mom of two, I would probably also be offended by that. But (laughs) thinking it through the context of whether I'm going to need an accommodation to continue to perform the duties of my job, then it can be incorporated into the protections that we have for a disability. Although just being pregnant in of itself an individual may not feel disabled and they may not need an accommodation. But if she's unable to perform her job due to the condition of pregnancy, the employer has to treat her in the same way as they'd treat any other temporarily disabled employee. Yeah, give me examples here. Yeah, well, I mean, the most obvious one would probably be lifting concerns. Sure. Um, So delivery drivers or folks that work in a warehouse, and they might have restrictions on the amount of weight that they could lift while pregnant. That would be the most obvious. There could also be issues with sitting and the comfort of sitting during that time, maybe additional rest breaks. Restroom breaks? (sighs) Yeah. Especially in that third (laughs) trimester? Yeah. Okay, so let's break this down here. How first does this impact employers? If you're signing the check, how does this affect you? So employers need to think about having a conversation Right. I mean, this is true whenever you have an employee that's looking at a temporary disability situation. And we talked about sort of the general issues that could arise in even a healthy pregnancy. But there are, of course, conditions that can be specific to pregnancy. Um, Someone could be on bed rest, for example, or they could have other medical condition, um, gestational diabetes, for example, where they would need even additional accommodations. Employers need to be aware of this issue and their obligations to the employee under the law, and then have a conversation if there's a reasonable accommodation that needs to be made for this employee to continue to carry out their duties while they're employed. You touched on that generally, but let's get into the details here. On a deeper dive, what exactly are the requirements? That is to say, employers cannot fill in the blank for me here. What can they not 
do? So the law uses the term reasonable accommodation. Okay. And that's a legally defined term. Employers cannot fail or refuse to make a reasonable accommodation for an employee for pregnancy. Unless, there's an exception, because there always is in the law. Of course. Unless the employer can demonstrate that doing so would impose, and the legal term is an undue hardship. So in the, in the situation of an undue hardship, where the reasonable accommodation proposed creates an undue hardship for the employer, then they're not required under the law to provide the accommodation. I also want to explain that the discrimination laws are different, both federally and state. Of course they uh, are. The most relevant is the ADA, the American with Disabilities Act, applies to employers with 15 or more employees. Washington's law against discrimination, which is fairly similar in the protections it provides to employees, applies to employers with eight or more employees. And in employment law, you generally have to comply with whatever is more restrictive or favorable to the employee. So here in Washington, we have the Washington law against discrimination applies to employers with eight or more, even though the ADA has that higher threshold. But it should be noted for our listeners who reside outside the state of Washington that, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but just as you said, the federal requirements are really the basement. They're the floor of those protections. Depending on what individual state you reside in, there may be additional floors of protections or restrictions that are on top of that. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's exactly right. Okay. So employers can't make reasonable accommodation. I'd imagine that if word gets around in a particular company, that if someone requests for these type of accommodations, they're going to find some sort of retribution. There would be a chilling effect. So I'd have to think that there has to be some protections as far as that's concerned as well, right? Yeah. An employer couldn't take an adverse action or retaliate against employee for making a request for a reasonable accommodation. Okay. Let's get into that term, reasonable accommodation, because I feel like that can be uh, an adjustable term. I mean, you asked five different people what reasonable accommodations are. You're probably going to get five different anecdotal answers, but we're interested in the legal answer here. So when you say reasonable accommodations, what does that mean? Well, some common examples might be some of the items we've already discussed, Um, providing more flexible or longer restroom breaks. Sure. Um, Modifying a no food or drink policy. Job restructuring might include providing a modified work schedule. You mentioned lifting, the restrictions on that. Yeah, providing additional seating if somebody has to stand for a significant portion of their day. We could go as far as providing a transfer to a less strenuous position, which kind of gets to the lifting issue, um, providing some flexibility in schedules for prenatal visits. The law loves the term reasonable, sure. right? Because it does allow some flexibility. So it's going to need to be a conversation that occurs between the employee and the employer. What, what are the needs of that employee? And then what can be provided that doesn't present an undue hardship? on behalf of the employer. Of course. Now, for the employer, can they require proof of these temporary limitations? Yeah. So employers generally must provide the following accommodations for a pregnant employee if they request it. They would include frequent longer or additional restroom breaks, a modified food or drink policy, the ability to sit more frequently, and not to lift objects over 17 pounds. 
With regards to these requests, the employers cannot request a doctor's note or medical verification that would support these accommodations. But the employer can request documentation from a healthcare provider outlining the need for an accommodation when a pregnant employee requests job restructuring, which could include scheduling changes such as a part-time or modified work schedule, a job reassignment, providing or modifying equipment or devices, and changes to their workstation, as well as scheduling flexibility for prenatal visits, a temporary transfer to a less strenuous or less hazardous position, and any further accommodations uh, requested by the employee. Stephanie, we've covered a lot of ground here, so let's bring this all together when we wrap up right here on JDSA's Law Talk that's coming your way next. This is JDSA's Law Talk. Visit us now at jdsalaw.com. For our friends who are listening to this podcast, what would what couple of points would you like them to walk away with uh, from this issue regarding pregnancy discrimination accommodations uh, at work? Yeah, I think with anything, it's important to remember that this needs to be a conversation between the employee and the employer. Um, there is the undue hardship exception. So it, if this does present a significant difficulty or expense on the employer, that needs to be discussed with the employee. Um, we're going to see an undue hardship exception more commonly with smaller employers. It's just going to be more difficult, likely, for them to go to the expense, for example, of modifying a workstation or to provide a uh, significant changes to work schedule. Um, I also didn't discuss, but I think it's important that there are protections for after pregnancy. Most significantly, there is a federal law that employers are required to provide a reasonable break time for an employee to express breast milk for her nursing child for up to one year after the child's birth. And this has to be a place other than a bathroom that is shielded from view and free from intrusion from coworkers and the public. So this is, you know, this is an important change in the law that takes place after birth, but again, provides additional protections to employees. All important information, and thank you so much for giving it to us. Stephanie Bale, our featured attorney, always good to talk to you. Once again, if you want to hear more about this subject or a host of others, log on to JDSA.com, and you can click on and listen to all of our Law Talk podcasts. You can also find our podcasts wherever you find them. A like, rate, subscribe, they're all there for you. And once again, I'm Clint Strand, and you've been listening to JDSA's Law Talk. You've been listening to JDSA's Law Talk. Topics covered in this program are for informational purposes only and are not intended to be professional advice. Before making any legal decision, seek the advice of a relevant professional. To ask a question, arrange a meeting with a JDSA attorney and find Law Talk episodes on other topics. Connect with us at jdsalaw.com. Thanks again for joining us on JDSA's Law Talk.